0: Exactly, but and and the thing is, Star Wars. Uh, that first script is considered because um, we taught we they talk we talked about it at NYU a lot. It's in the canon, which there is it's uh, it is very much the study of Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, the understudy of Joseph, Joseph Campbell's, uh, hero of a thousand faces, the, the mono myth or the hero's journey, whichever one you want to call it, um, in the same way that the Bible, you know, the religious texts is followed, but you know, that's why, uh, the first script is, is so good is because it, it, it has all of those basic components to it. Um, and it, and it goes there, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean I could see how Carl Weathers would be um that would be something that would draw him back into it and 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 be and make him even more excited to be a part of of the, the new match mm-hmm. storytelling. Yep. And um as
1: uh, Professor D drops some knowledge, uh, welcome everybody to blurred lines. This is the man Cam with me as always is
2: Sorry, I was on mute with the other Cam, the magical Negro back in for his uh annual guest appearance. What's up?
3: As well as the hero uh with a thousand faces known as Mr. Joshua. And as always,
0: it is the professor. Yes, there be dragons at the end of this intellectual tunnel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh earlier on, Professor D was uh saying some nice words with the, de, of the dearly departed uh carl weathers aka action jackson <laughs>
0: that's right that's right Yo, now you might have been the epitome of 80s uh action star
3: i'm going to further ever. back that next shut, shut uh, it, the greatest handshake ever Oh, yeah. I go back even further than uh the Action Jacks. I go back even further than Action Jackson. uh Stoler on the Six Million Dollar Man. Wow. Nice. Yo, I forgot about that. About that. <laughs> Old man Steve's. Old man Steve's.
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember, uh, what is it, Six Million Dollar Man and The Fall Guy. I
1: remember those two shows being staples in my household. Yeah, mm-hmm. same. Same. It was a uh, Six Million Dollar Man, Fall Guy, Rockford Files. And The and Biotic files Woman. Files. Wow. Bionic woman, wow! And Spencer, Spencer too. Spencer was a Spencer was a big one in
3: the household. And Spencer I was, that he played football.
0: Was Spencer uh,
3: was Spencer Avery Brooks. No, no, that was Hawk. That yeah. was after. Oh, he yeah, yeah. he was the Hawk. Point. He was well. He was he was the black side. He was the I don't want to call him sidekick. More like the the fix the fixer. When Spencer needed something, he I ah, just call Hawk, and he Hawk, Hawk would be the guy who like. Went, yeah, he, he's the he was, but he was the black guy in the 80s, so he was always like the muscle slash fixer slash. Oh, you know, I got this person I need to stash, I'll just leave him with Hawk. Hawk will protect her. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that, well,
2: that's why I think, I, he uh, played for the, I think uh,
0: uh, Carl Weathers played for the
2: Rams at one point,
0: yeah, I I mean, was he right. was right former uh NFL linebacker. Yep, yep. And he's also, um, I think he got his degree in like, in performance theater or something of that sort as, as well. Like he's pretty, pretty, um, uh, versatile, uh, 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 artist and, uh, and creative. Yeah. They, uh, they call that in the biz, a uh, thespian. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs>
1: well, wow. uh, um. But yeah, yeah, you know, and also, uh, of course, you know, Predator and Apollo Creed, and uh, and then most notably in uh, Mando, (laughs) Mando.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and he was eaten by an alligator. And um, which one was it? Was it uh, uh, Billy Gilmore? No, Happy Gilmore. (laughs) But he was in both of those films, right? He was in he was in um, Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison, wasn't he, or just Happy (laughs) Gilmore?
2: I don't know. Uh, another was one of
0: them. Yeah, <laughs> it looks, you know, looks like uh, he was only in. Uh, he was in Little Nicky, but he wasn't in. In uh, um, he wasn't in. Um, actually, Doesn't he played them? the same character in uh, in Little Mickey, nice. uh, but it, the universe. I'm guessing, yeah, I'm guessing he was the character was in hell after the alligator ate him or something. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. Um, but yeah, it sounds, sounds like we got a
2: homework assignment to go rewatch little
1: Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was a, but he was a, in his seventies. Um, it's it, like I said, it's one of those markings too, where, you know, we're, we all just reference movies from the 2000, 2010s. So now the twenties, like back to the twenties, the two thousands plus the nineties and the eighties and going back to early, late seventies. That's crazy.
0: Oh wow, I yeah. forgot that he had that stint on in the heat of the night. He yep. was he he took over oh, wow. and, and he was in the main role. Uh, he had a
2: hell of a hell of a life, man.
0: Yeah. And then right before that, he was in Street Justice. Um, and he had that he had the main role in that. He was in Starsky and Hutch and the episode, not the not right. full-time. Um he had a uh he did a episode of Psych E R. Uh, Wait, what was he in
2: Miami Vice?
0: Because everybody was in Miami Vice at one point. Hang on, let me just see. <laughs> no, but he did appear in Good Times. He did appear in Kung Fu. He did. Yeah, Damn. he appeared in, in Kung Fu in 1975 uh, in an episode. <laughs> what, what character? Um, what he was called, Bad Sam, in an episode called The Brothers Kane. And I, I didn't watch. Never That'd watched Kung Fu. I'm aware of it but I I don't know uh I don't know any of that. Uh, <laughs> he was also I have, in I have, like what? few episodes of the Shield. Oh damn. All oh, I don't really?
3: And he played himself on Arrested Development for 4 episodes. I do remember. I do not remember him being on the Shield and I watched Shield yeah. from start to from, from end, to end. His last film was in 2019.
0: And he played he in and, and it was Toy Story 4. And he was the voice of Combat Carl, which I imagine yes. is probably a character a, written specifically character for him.
2: His his outfit looked like the outfit from Predator. I watched
0: it. Yeah, that's that's what I said. Yeah. I I can if imagine at played- that, that-
2: I was going to say, he played two characters. He played Combat Carl and he played the mini version Combat Carl, but with a higher big voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. 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 But I yeah. think that last example speaks to where the amount of love and respect and adoration that he had garnered as not just in pop, in, in terms of pop culture, Hollywood, um, and all of that, um, because I, it's clear that Combat Carl is written as a tribute to him in the same way that, uh, you know, uh, Marvel adapted Sam Jackson's image or, or likeness for, um, Nick Fury a few Nick years Fury. ago. Yeah. Uh, before this is way back, of course, before the, the, the MCU version debuted, which was taken from that arc. But, um, just speaks to where he was as and what he meant to uh, this whole tapestry of, of media and and you know Hollywood and and in a sense even professional sports because um, you know I remember he made some appearances on WCW TV and interacting with with the wrestlers and um, it was a part of you know his connection with Arnold Schwarzenegger and. Um, you know, they would, they redid the, the, the handshake with the, 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 the biceps or whatever with, did that with, with, I think it was Scott Steiner, um, the wrestler. Um, but yeah, just to say that he's probably as integral in eighties, nineties, pop culture, uh, legend figure as, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know?
3: Oh, definitely. I mean, I remember, I remember seeing Action Jackson as a kid. Um, and just, you know, it w it was, it was impactful in the way that you would think for a little black kid in 1980, whenever that dropped, you know, it was, you know, you're, you're bombarded with imagery of white men, you know, being of agency, uh, sort of being in control of their world and their universe, and you don't, and then, you know, the, the, the black figures that you see are, you know, like what you would see, like, like the, the caricature in black dynamite, Hey, I am a black man and I am down for the cause. Like if you see that guy more than you see someone being authentically black without being like a caricature. Um, So it was cool to see someone like Hall weathers who just didn't, you know, I mean, to a degree, cause I mean, in Rocky he kind of did that a little, uh, you know, Apollo Creed was that a little bit, but Apollo Creed, the boxing character was like that. When he interacted with Rocky and Red Rocky too. for example, he was just a regular dude. Like he was just, it wasn't, you know, black guy playing black guy. It was just, he was a regular guy. Um, And similar with Sam, with, uh, with Action Jackson, like, you know, there was a little bit of jive turkey here and there and a little bit of sucker here and there. But for the most part, he was just, you know, a black guy doing a thing in a film. Um, And I think that's the thing that I remember the most about most of his career. Like he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a caricature. Like he'd play, he for the most part, for the most part, played it straight and played it like, you know, like just a normal person doing things.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of his characters and the the. The characters that he played um, could be defined in that way. Um, this you brought up Apollo Creed, and you know I was reading all of the different um, tributes that a lot of the uh, actors and people that he worked with um, uh, were writing about him. Everybody from Katie Satchov um, to, uh, of course, Sylvester Stallone and one of the stories that I guess Carl Weathers told about how he was cast as, uh, Apollo Creed was that he went, he was auditioning and he was reading as Apollo Creed with Sylvester Stallone, who is the, obviously the star of the film. And I think Sylvester Stallone, I don't remember if he, I don't think he directed the first one, right? He wasn't the director, but, um, anyway, uh, At some point, Carl Weathers was like, uh, if you get him a real actor, he could read it. He could read it better. And he was. And so and even after that, he was. Wow. And Sylvester Stallone uh, said that 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 made him cast Carl because he felt that that's that's something Apollo Creed would have said. Fair enough. And I thought that was just a, a great story that uh, that he ended up getting cast in that role after insulting the lead actor to his face. And but <laughs> he didn't know that so he didn't know that that was Sylvester Stallone and he was the, um, you know, the lead act. He he knew that he was the lead actor. I don't think he had ever met or seen him. before.
3: It's hilarious.
0: I will say,
2: kind of, kind of pivoting. I will say that Stallone did do some good acting work in two movies. Obviously, Rambo, the first one, I thought was amazing. But I think his role in Copland showed his chops, Stallone. So to his yeah. credit, I think he did get better as an actor um, in uh, future roles <laughs> later down the line.
3: So, he into the, one. he just leaned into the dumb jock role a little bit, you know, cause that's what he was getting cast as. So he, you know, you know, if that's where your bread is bread is buttered, you know, give me, give me the butter. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And definitely, he definitely got better. And I think the whole, that was, that's what makes the story even funnier is because obviously, you know, this is years later after both of them have gone on to have successful acting careers in Hollywood. Um, it's almost, it's like, it's just one of those stories where you, you hear it. And you're like, that could have went completely the other way. And we wouldn't have had Carl. Weather. if, if Sylvester Stallone was just a little bit more egotistical or whatever, we wouldn't have had uh prideful, we wouldn't have had, uh, Carl Weathers as, uh, Apollo Cree in that, in that legendary encounter between the two of them that even, is referenced even in real situations to this day. <laughs> <Man, laughs> the real. It was a real fight.
2: If Stallone was more egotistical, Carl Weathers would have been in DC Cat. <laughs>
0: yep. Well, that's what I mean. Like, he, <laughs> it, it wouldn't have wouldn't have gone anywhere in that at that situation. But instead, it it ended up, you know, being one of his his the defining roles in films of his of his career
1: yeah and then also you know he was uh because he was like multifaceted coming from like football and those types of things then the other football turn actor uh person the rock just got all his trademark crap back plus it's on the board of freaking the parent company for wwe aka he's doing big things and is uh essentially being the new vince McMahon. man if that's but if you want to put it that way
3: well he oh. didn't get a
0: seat on the board too yeah. yeah, he's got to sit on. He got thirty million to sit on that board. Um, uh-huh. um, Triple H is the new Vince because he's the he's the one that's actually yeah, get um, all the work. <laughs> yeah, he's doing the he's doing the booking and the creative, and he's basically he basically has taken over Vince. He's promoting, and they they're basically giving him the they've given him the keys to the castle, which makes sense. He's been there long enough. He's married into that family. Um, it, it only makes sense. Though I think The Rock coming back uh, is just probably in his where he is right now, he's kind of I would say that from all the stories and reports that's been coming out about him, it seems like he's burned some bridges in Hollywood. Um, maybe not anything that's irreparable, but I think it seems like he's he needs to be somewhere other than, you know on the set of a film right now and the WWE is is always home for him and he can always, he always draws big money for them. Even 20, 30 going on 40 years after he was at his, in his his prime or whatever. Uh, And um, yeah, I think it's kind of a crazy thing though that he's got the trademark now sitting on the board, you know, this and he, you know, it's almost full circle for,
1: Yeah, the trademark part is actually the thing I thought was the most interesting because, like, that's legit. Like, you know, WWE owns uh, everybody's name. That's that you know, when Russ, we wrestle there, and then certain people, they think it's to a certain level, they can either you know, you know, license it from them or have a partnership or whatever, whatever, like a Stone Cold or something like that. But like, to
0: have yeah, her, but you there's own a handful of people like that. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. We, you probably just named yeah, yeah. the only other person and and Hulk Hogan. I think yeah, although only. Three that have actually, the WWE has actually been like here, uh, especially on events, uh, have been like you know you can own outright the name, you can use it, you can go other places and use it or whatever. Uh, only those three. Nobody, out of the Undertaker, the, the yeah, Undertaker, probably yeah. The, other, the, other, the other person, but, but yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think that's actually because even when I saw the, um,
1: yeah, because a couple of the 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 and this TikTok and uh Instagram reels, clips went viral of people's reactions. And like um like the the announcer woman that's the uh does WWE who's fine as hell by the way. Oh she <laughs> is beautiful. Gorgeous. So beautiful. And she has a great like announcer voice, but she's also because she's a singer, so she her voice and stuff. But there's a good there's a good viral clip of her kind of like not just like you know watching the thing and then you hear the the theme music and then she gets all excited like a little girl. She's like, oh shit.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but you mean you think about it, it's like she would have been she's of the age, she I think she's younger than than me. And so that means she probably would have been watching to in up at a time where she could remember when Rock was like not full time, but he was always coming back and having big matches and then he'd go away and then come back and, and on and on and repeat and repeat. Um but yeah, she, she's got, she's like, has one of the best announcer voices probably since uh, since uh, uh, Gene Okerlund or no uh Howard Finkel uh, from the old days. Oh man, Howard Finkel, I about that. bang um, wow.
1: But yeah, man, it's been cool. I think the, um, I'm curious to see what the, you know, what The Rock being around is going to impact because I think that it's been interesting to kind of, because like, you know, I peek into WWE, I'm not watching like every week or anything. But every time I peek in, it's actually kind of interesting. It's like you know, colorful cast of characters. Their whole women's league situation is like blowing, exponent, blowing up exponentially. I've been tapped in because of Jay
2: Carhill so when she, I was like, "Oh, man, I'm
1: a fan."
0: <laughs> she, uh, she actually debuted um, in the Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble, yeah, yeah, yeah and and um, it's very interesting. Yeah, I, just like uh, you know, you guys. I don't, although I'm. Tra- Historically, I've been a professional wrestling fan. I say professional wrestling to distinguish between the WWE and what is known as professional wrestling. Um, but I mean, you mean uh, like, uh, you mean you mean wrestling? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as, as Vince has spent all of his his entire powers trying to put that in the mind of. It's like, oh, that's wrestling. Yeah, I'm talking about wrestling. Yeah, no, um the the WWE has been doing some interesting things uh recently and I'm kind of interested to see where they go because with Vince McMahon gone, uh Kevin Sullivan who was their head of production for the last forever since Vince cuz Vince brought him on after his dad uh died or whatever who was also doing the production for the WWF back in the day. Um now that he's gone, cause he didn't like raffling or the presentation of raffling. And by that meaning it's not as it's not, it doesn't look like uh Disney theater or something like that, but more like um, what you would expect, like um, in terms of the lighting and the look like a, like a, a sports-based presentation, almost like uh UFC or boxing. Um, so I'll be interested to see, if now that they have a new production head of production who comes from ESPN, who was, who was, uh, who did uh, Monday night football college game day and all these different, uh, live sporting events that have been very successful in the last 20, 30 years. Um, in addition to the fact that they're now branded and grouped in the same cup comp- as one company with UFC, if there is an effort to pull back on the goofy, more sillier crap that Vince McMahon has pushed as sports entertainment for the last 20 years and try to revert it a little bit back to the more, uh, I say sports base because again, it's, it's less about that silly dumb storytelling and more about Uh, reasons for two guys having to get in the ring and fight. Yeah, it's the
1: athleticism, (laughs) too. It's more the, yeah, it's more the athleticism and the, like, it's a quote-unquote sport, basically.
2: I'll tell you the the, the, the turning point for me when I tuned out is when I seen Ken Shamrock lose, and I was like, ain't no way this dude loses to these dudes, because Ken Shamrock comes from the MMA background. Him and his brother Frank were sheer fighters in the 90s early 2000s. And you see Ken Shamrock lose to like a not a heel but just like a dude that I knew wasn't on par. I was like, okay, I, it's a, it's a, I <laughs> moment. Yeah. I was like, all right, I think I'm done wrestling
0: for a while. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm. That's part of what I'm saying in terms of that's th- that's Vince McMahon's doing. That's that's when when he started because he was pushing sports and entertainment. So it, it wasn't. Instead of booking Ken Shamrock in a way that makes sense, that's indicative of his background as an MMA fighter, he booked him in a way that made none of that legitimate and made the fans forget that that even mattered. Because after a while, you're just watching to see him probably get his ass beat by Stone Cold or Undertaker or The Rock or somebody of of in that of that ilk uh, during that time. So. Uh, anyway, I just, I just, I'll be interested to see business wise, branding wise, if now that with these changes behind the scene, if that translates to what's going on on the in the in-ring in ring and the visual television product.
3: Yeah, I, exactly. I think it's probably probably going to spike the production value, the way that in, in in a similar fashion to how you know Monday Night Football sort of jumped up once it left ABC and went over to ESPN like there's yeah exactly that's what I'm saying and you know it's it's gonna yeah it's it's definitely I I am not a wrestling fan I haven't been since probably like post slightly post Sergeant Slaughter Uh, I'm gonna tell you how I go
2: you left in the early 90s? Like,
0: <laughs> I left. I left. That would have been like late 80s. That would have been yeah. late 80s.
3: Yeah, probably. 80s. Yeah, that was definitely the 80s when he was. Yeah. Like, and I was I was the slaughter. Iron Sheik, Andre the Giant. Hulk Hogan. That's the golden uh, age. Our golden age. And see. You that, know, it's not enough. 80s,
0: like. It makes sense that you name it all those names because where you live in New York, you would have gotten largely uh the ter- during the territory days before the territories uh died, you would have gotten WWF on the East yep. Coast, though Bruno Samarentino, Bob Backlund, like all yep. those guys. Yep. Again, yep. that's when you think about that era. Those guys were presented as real dudes who fought in the ring. It wasn't until real. Exactly. It wasn't (laughs) until Vince McMahon took over that he changed all that. Now, Vince's Vince Mm -hmm. changing it actually benefited the business because until that point, wrestling was officially considered. And categorized as a sport and because of that they had to the regional territories had to pay whatever state they were in they had to pay uh athletic commission fees uh-huh. and the commissioner mm. yes mm. no the athletic commissioner would be at the events and would be uh have influence on how they did things at their at the so like there used to be a time where if you were thrown over the top, if the guy was thrown over the top rope, that was a disqualification. <laughs> you went in like, there, was, there used to be rules, actual rules that they mm-hmm. followed and they had to follow. Um, what happened was, uh, and again, Vince was, was a part of this. The Dutch Schultz, uh, uh, not Schultz, the Dutch, the Dutch Schultz. I think it's Dutch Schultz. The guy, the incident of the, the reporter getting slapped by the wrestler. Uh, the uh in Madison Square Garden a few years ago he called wrestling fake oh, you guys, yeah. now, you guys about probably that. remember that I forgot the the the, the name they did or uh, recently did a dark side of the ring about it that's but awesome. anyway that was the turning point and that was when uh it was it was because he did an expose that reporter and he had mm-hmm. some wrestlers giving up the secrets of the trade and the business and so that's when the whole thing uh, they can no longer be called uh, sports, and that's when Vince got his way, and sports entertainment was born. Because now, and again, for him as a businessman, it's because he doesn't want to pay those athletic commission uh, uh, commission fees. Which, again, if you're thinking about you know, from his perspective, if it's not a real sport, then why why should he spend that that money well, to just to maintain an illusion? That. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I I, uh, I, yeah, I interviewed there. I interviewed there
1: for like social position a couple of years ago. So I was doing my research and stuff just on the business end, and I didn't realize how many different divisions that they had. they had like something like ten to eleven different divisions from you know TV to movies to video games mm-hmm. to um, oh yeah uh, uh, you know merchandising and all that. So like that was one thing, and then the other thing now like we were talking about earlier um, separately with the Netflix deal. Of Netflix starting to do more sporting events on uh, on their platform, and then them scoring that that deal, now they don't really have to worry about advertisers like they used to. So they really, so they yep. they can they have one dev one night that's going to be advertisement free that they can literally do whatever they want now. Like they can almost have like they said they don't call them uh, um, pay per views anymore. What do they call them? In uh, premium live like, event, yeah, premium live events, and so. Uh, now they have, you know, they have three, they have basically on three days a week on three separate networks. Only one's local, is it? Or is it no, no one's on.
0: Well, 17? so they, so, um, so their current deal is that they have uh smack WWE Smackdown Friday night. Smackdown comes on every week Friday uh, on Fox. They, they have a deal with Fox right now. But that deal is ending soon and they have a new deal with CW in which, um, and which uh, and I could probably get these numbers up to, to yeah. it's kind of crazy. So they spread out their content. Um, they got the W the Netflix deal, which right now is on, is saying raw mm-hmm. is going to be on Netflix, live on Netflix every Monday. And that's for five billion dollars that they Jesus. did that that over five years or 10 years, something like that. Uh, I think it's five to 10 or five years or something like that. So in that yeah. they're going to, so they're going to make $5 billion most likely just off of, just off of raw alone being on Netflix. Then wow. they have SmackDown is leaving the, is leaving Fox and going to the CW, which I'm pretty sure is something like 20 something million so a year or something like that for 5 years or something and then their last the the last show I think uh NXT I think it's going to stay on USA or it's going to oh no NXT is going to CW Smackdown is going to US, it's going to going to USA so USA NBC um they still have they still kept some WWE programming um but just off those three alone, um, just imagine what kind of net revenue that is for them. It, it doesn't even have anything to do with any whatever they produce. That's what what they um, how they're spreading they, they, their content out. Um, and for Netflix, it's an even bigger deal because this is going to be their first foray into live events. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that's right. kind of the crazy because they've been doing,
1: you know, they did their other live event. They've they been the, when they do live events, it's usually been comedy, right? So they did the um I think they did uh Chris Rock did one that was live. Uh,
0: oh yeah, that's where I uh, mean sports.
1: Yeah, yeah. Be this will be the first yeah, so this will be their first foray into the sports situation. So I think you know, it's gonna be very interesting because WWE has been on, kind of on the on a on a nice solid rise like it never went away but in terms of getting back into the more like mainstream of things it, it's always has its hardcore base it's always have its fans but it's an interesting how it's been permeating into now more of the mainstream or public type of stuff and i think the netflix deals need more interesting too because that that beams it into a whole another set of audiences on top of what they already had because they already had their own robust uh streaming service as well that they were trying to get off for a while that they kind of mm-hmm. or they still have because they have they have one of the largest catalogs of a company of content because of all the uh, yeah. matches from back in the day, like no, um, um for because you know, once events consolidated
0: all the wrestling stuff, they have they don't they own all the WCW stuff too? They own, I believe, uh, they own the, the World Championship Wrestling, uh, all of its cata- uh, catalog. They own ECW, including when it was Eastern Championship Wrestling. Um, they own almost every territory video library there is so awA Memphis uh Deep South wrestling. I think they even got Stampede Wrestling, which was the one that came out of Calgary. That was the, the Hart family uh little small promotion that they that they did. Uh but basically anything that was uh, <clears throat> that was professional wrestling from now up until the the sixties seventies they they own a lot of that a lot of those whatever was because you got to remember like some of these places um, the stuff they bought in the in the late to mid to late two thousands they could only salvage but so much of it because uh, you know the, the production apparatus for the the smaller uh, even that for the WWF in the nineties was kind of chaotic and and tapes got lost and and damaged and all kind of stuff. So, um, but they, they own a lot of that, um, that, that content. And like Cam was saying, they, um, years, a few years ago, they launched their own WWE network and then they folded that into Peacock with the deal with Peacock. But, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are, are are wondering if they're going to continue on with Peacock or if they're going to move that content into a deal with another deal with our with with Netflix, a separate deal, or if that's a part of this current deal and why Netflix is is like, yeah, we'll give you <laughs> here, here, take that money because we know because no matter what, I guarantee you in twenty twenty five, Netflix will see its biggest spike of subscribers that they have had in a long time. I just off oh, of the MW. Just off of the I, what fact a, that raw is going to be on on Netflix every Monday, they will get at least at least two million additional subscribers.
3: What and this all fits what I've heard about uh, working on the production and post production side uh, for WWE. Like from what I've heard, it's like it's a crazy me grinder, and even more so. This will probably be the thing that calms down, but like, it, it's even more of a meat grinder when you factor in that um, very often, sometimes right up to right up the air, Vince McMahon is rolling up to, uh, you know, people who who are doing any of the writing or production saying, all right, instead of this, I want to have this happen. And it's like, yo, we're about to air in like five minutes. He's like, right. So you should get started.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Vince, then, Vince is known and I got this confirmation because, much like Cam, a few years ago, I was trying to get um, a writing assist. I was applying for a writing assistant position, and mm-hmm. um, an executive that we all know mutually, um, mm-hmm. who worked for, who worked uh, up there, was was just giving me some 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 you know, giving me some some knowledge, dropping the 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 knowledge on I me. Mean, he's It'll like, down, man. Yeah, he was like, dude. He's like, it's probably good for you to work there now because you're in your twenties and you don't, you're not uh, tied to a, your a family or anything. Um, oh, because, why, yeah, it. because if he, if he because he's like, <laughs> exactly. Because he's like, his next warning was he said that Vince McMahon doesn't sleep, literally, and he is involved. Like Cam noted that they had like 11 different departments is involved in all of them was anyway, doing that at least, Mm. uh, before now. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it was like, he said that he expects everybody to, that works for him to
3: operate the exact same way. Mm. -hmm. Yeah. I've, I've heard some horror stories about him pulling up in edits for stuff that was recorded already, like, and like it's already hit final cut stage. And he rolls in like, yo, you should do this, 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 and this. And we're like, but that would mean we have to start from scratch and the deadline is in an hour. He was like, right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that was, that was his, um, that was his modus operandi for 30, 40 years or maybe even 50, because you got to think about it. Uh, you know, he started with the company under his, under the tutelage of his father. Right. Um, And then he took over, he, he and his wife bought the company from his dad, um, which, um, it'll make an interesting story because the whole, you know, legend is that his dad had promised all the other old school promoters that, they were worried about when he would take over. Cause the thing is the WWF because of his position in New York always had the bigger footprint in terms of, right. uh, professional wrestling, the bigger, the bigger, the, the, they didn't, This Ric Flair and all those guys were touring the South. But, you know, if, if Andre the giant was coming through, it was a big deal, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, and those were all East coast guys. So, um, where the WWF and later WWF and WWE went. So too, it has been for a while, uh, does the entire wrestling world in terms of perception of everybody outside of the the wrestling world. Um, and so he had promised, uh, those promoters that, you know, Vince McMahon, that they wouldn't have to worry about, uh, them him taking it national because that was always their fear is that as one right promotion uh going national it would kill the territories and uh and apparently as soon as Vince's father died that's
3: exactly what he did yep yeah and, uh, his father was, was very against the national thing too he was like under no circumstances like if i g- i think the agreement was if i give this to you you gotta promise me that you don't and oh, well, it wasn't, said, yeah. he didn't give it to he him. He died, I think. Not give it to him, well, but like, if I let you buy this, in other words, like if I buy, yeah. if, I, if I approve the sale, you got to promise me that you don't, that you won't do this thing. And he said yes, but he waited until his father died and then did the exact opposite. Well, and so most likely, and
0: so that's the, the urban legend, right? So most likely what probably happened was his dad told, the other promoters uh, that, that he had assured him that he wouldn't. But in truth, he probably got no such assurances from Vince McMahon uh, just because, mm. you know, why wouldn't Vince assure him that? And why would he even believe him when, again, the piece if he dies and they don't unless cause I don't I don't believe at the end of the day, he felt as strongly about it as the the Southern promoters, because for the most part, the WWF all was always doing well. I mean, again, they had their, their gate, their, their home gate was Madison square garden. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like you, yeah, you, know, right. you, you put Andre the giant on the card from MSG for one night. You, you, you probably eaten for most of that year. So, um, I don't think he, it was that big of a deal, but anyway, all that to say that, um, that company has seen a lot of changes over the years and it has a very interesting, uh, history, um, especially with Vince McMahon's tenure, which was most of its history. Um, um, and then, uh, a little bit before, uh, but this Netflix deal and the new deals that they have with CW and again, USA, in addition to who might, be interested in their content library because that's still an option for them as well um it's just it's a, it's kind of crazy uh to think that a wrestling company would have this much uh uh, uh going for it in terms of overall uh net ga- potential net gains and revenue that it's going to make in the next 10 years yeah that makes sense
1: so now, because like I've been noticing more and more now that most of the you know entertainers are trying to seek their deal with whatever streaming company to start to roll out their, co- their regular content, right? So we have our Tyler Perry over with his BET situation. You have uh, people starting to do more stuff on Hulu. And then now you're starting to see more Donald Glover do his stuff with Amazon. And so now the Mr. Edison Smith project, which, you know, initially got a big uh a very big splash because it was him and, and um, Sleepy Waller from Fleabag, and then it was Donald Glover from Atlanta. And it going to be this big thing, and then once start production or once pre-production started, they had a lot of disagreements, and then she ended up dropping out. He took over most of the production, at, you know, with his his uh, his uh, company and his folks, and then he brought in uh, Maya Erskine. And so the, when the trailer dropped a couple months or two months, not even two months ago, maybe a month and a half, um,
0: it actually looks interesting (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it does i'll be really quick i believe you mentioned tyler perry i believe he just actually got a deal for netflix as well Uh, yeah if i'm not mistaken he recently or he was in talks to to do a uh deal with netflix but i'll look that up and uh we were talking about mr and mrs smith
1: yeah you know what it is T- tyler perry did a movie for them uh look with, with kelly Rowland. kelly Rowland brought her own uh wig wig uh specialist so her wigs look really good wow um <laughs> but yeah they 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 did the movie together called mia copa uh it looks very bet plus uh to B level no i take that back not to be bet plus level but it's on netflix and um yeah i'm not sure if, uh, i'm not sure if it's a uh, a larger deal that they're gonna be doing. He didn't do the Jasmine's blues. I think that was the other one he did. Um that he brought over there. I think he did t- he did two. So this is there's this second film.
3: Well wait. Well wait. apparently he's
0: be- got a, I was just gonna Probably. say apparently he's got a couple uh movies coming to Netflix uh this year. Um yeah, I mean, unless Screen ran is wrong, he did recently do a Netflix uh yeah, he's size them. Uh, this was published. Uh, October 23rd, 2023, he signs a massive multi-film deal with Netflix. Film mm, deal, deal. Yeah, he doing another one with the Women's Army Auxiliary
1: Corps, a group of 85, 855 Black women who stepped in to fill important role during World War II. Oh, okay. i doing a period piece. Interesting. This is all Dr. Glover right. we're talking about right now? Oh, that's that's Tyler Perry about to be Donald Glover. I was like,
2: Donald Glover is doing this. I was like, okay, interesting. Because I I say that because I just saw the. I don't. I think it's a spoof, the Twenty One Savage trailer, and I was like, is this real? And then, and then, then, then if we were segueing to this period piece, I was like, well, that is a straight left turn of films he's working on. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, Donald Glover and. The, the 21 savage thing that's super that was super interesting because it was like at first i thought it was a like a uh snl thing and then i was like oh no this is a real trailer
2: <laughs> it's a spoof trailer though i don't think it's real i think they came out and said it was just more of a it's more of a, a a fun a fun thing they did yeah it, it was really awkward i was like no one could figure out if this was real or like a fake thing but it the production looked serious enough to where it was like okay Donald Glover's behind this, but it just looked goofy. Yeah, and, and they had a lot of references to real life events. Like I think, um, and I don't want to segue too far off this, but uh, Bomani Jones was a caricature in that with uh, when he was on that show with Dan lebertar and, and and his Poppy. they showed, showed a, a, a scene from that, and I was like, wait, is that supposed to be but Bomani and that show he was on? Didn't you know, know his so yeah it, it, it was a whole thing so it almost ranks up there with snoop Dogg saying he was quitting smoking to promote something
1: so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which flopped but it was a good it was a good it was a good two yeah, was a uh, commercial. Thing. yeah it was a little too good two second what it made some news um but yeah i would say donald glover and his stuff because he's been doing more stuff with amazon and this actually looks pretty good because they took the basic concept of the you know I mean, we've, we've seen this, we've seen this theme in a movie or a show multiple times. Well, sometimes it does well, sometimes it doesn't. Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie um, was one of the rare times where it did work much on, you know, the strength of the, of the actors, of course, it was entertaining. It was breezy, nothing crazy, but you're we like, okay, this is fun. Um,
3: and the franchise is based on an eighties Scott Bakula show. So there's that. Yeah, that's you know, right. That's that. right. Yeah, the first time that I forget who his co-star was, but it was uh, Scott Bakula. Basically, the the original premise wasn't necessarily the what the movie was. It was more it was more closely oriented towards what the Donald Glover show was going to be, which is basically uh, two spies. Uh, basically, agreed to to they, they're they're on a they're on a mission and they agree to pose as husband and wife and start to fall in love as we yes. can believe the, the what it was. That that's the the short version of it. I'm yeah, where it's probably um, none of different from it. the yes. uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah, the the movie uh with Brad and Angelina was different than that whereas they were already uh, yeah. uh pretending they were they didn't know that more, that the other that they were both spies, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, the, they they're both too. there, yeah. They're they're both <laughs> assassins. Hey.
3: Yeah, which yeah. was an interesting take. You know, a good, good
0: movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, it was a, um, it, it was good for that time. Actually, you're right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's breezy.
1: It's it's yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's a good popcorn filler. I, it, it's funny. I, I, I'm like, I'm a fan of Scott Bacula, and I've never watched The uh, Mister and uh, So TV. Maria Bello is the co-star for Mrs. Thank you. Here we go. Yeah, 1996 only did one season for 13 episodes, and only nine of those episodes aired interesting
0: wow that's crazy that was definitely a tree falling in the forest cuz i when you first said it, i thought it was like 80s but in the 90s wow i don't even remember hearing about that at all yeah i don't remember it at all my fault I, all right, yeah
1: sorry the 90s that's wild but yeah so but i i think um it's funny cuz uh when i was on amazon um uh, the the chick from uh big bang theory kelly Cuckoo or whatever she
0: yes.
1: she's gonna save it. Oh well, oh well, Did
3: you just call her cuckoo? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, bro! What's wrong with you?
1: Uh, <laughs> I heard she is
3: kind of cuckoo, so
1: it works. It works. Just you same. know, you
3: might have to wait. Who is this? Who is this? Day? I missed it. I didn't catch it. Who so, did you? Harley Quo? It's a uh, Big Bang Theory. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh Har- and the voice of Harley Quinn. Yes, the new one no. of Harley Quinn.
0: But yeah, I was say you got to be specific the, about that.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. My fault. Um, yeah. but swinging back around to Mister and Mrs. Smith, did you know that Simon Kinberg wrote and directed that? The rigid, the, the 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 Brad Pitt. What? Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh wow,
1: that's random.
0: Yeah, you know, what? What? I didn't know that, but at the same time, it's not. It doesn't throw me. tracks. As, uh, <laughs> because not everybody is good at everything you know what i mean like it's it's like there are filmmakers who do like for example Ryan Johnson i love uh Knives Out um but i hate mm. The Last Jedi. Mm. you know Fine. so i think i that doesn't surprise it, Doug lyman is
3: my fault. Doug Lyman directed, uh, directed and Simon Kenberg wrote. Yes. Yeah. So now it even makes even more sense because,
0: uh, if you got a sensible director, then he could kind of curb a little bit of the silliness of the writer and by And well, rarely vice versa, but at least in this case, whatever the worst ideas Kinberg probably could have thrown out there, he could have been tempered. Or just assuming that this was a,
3: right. a a better story for him to tell. Because yeah. It yeah, made man, me he got, definitely do be wild. I'm, yeah, he got some movie be wild I mean, uh, I, X-Men the, movie. I yeah, he day. didn't strike me as a
0: person that and 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 uh Singer admitted to not watching uh to not reading any of the comics and basing his framework on the nineties. The '90s Fox courts Oh,
3: like, don't get me down that and rabbit I'm, hole. Like I just, you know, I'm sorry, I'm running out. Fall, <laughs> we just, we just opened up some old wounds here. spot as, it, yeah. It's see, I came up uh, uh, straight. It
1: uh, sets me so. So so bring okay. it. So bringing it so, so bringing it back to Blubber. Side note: uh, Kimberg's first writing credit is uh triple X State of the Union. I'll leave it there. <laughs> oh see that's not better that's not not making it better um, but bring it back to Donald Glover I'm actually really curious about this because uh we now have uh, Glover kind of playing go, stepping into his like Han Solo sex symbol type of situation um and being like the leading man I mean he was the leading man on Atlanta but he's also kind of like an ensemble cast kind of a thing and so yeah, yeah. it'll be inter- it'll be interesting to see him do action plus do the leading man thing. And, you know, he'll still have his comedy bits because that's what he is. But it, it's going to be a very interesting thing. I'm, I'm It's it's uh, the early reviews from, you know, you know the, the, the interwebs has been interesting. But um, I'm actually curious to see because this because it could be something that kind of puts him into a different like uh, realm of stuff. Because, I mean, I actually enjoyed him as Han Solo and I thought he did a good job in the action scenes, balancing the action and comedy. And so it is Lando. To I'm sorry, Lando. I said, well, in Han Solo, it was the movie. It wasn't the Lando
0: movie. <laughs> yeah, Donald, Donald Glover yeah, I mean, is he's, super yeah. talented, and he's shown that he's got the ability to be what he needs to be when he is in that role, or when he's. And then his his strength is right, right. So like he's Atlanta was amazing because it was just amazingly written. You know what I mean? And then the the directing the direction was really good. I'm also curious to see now that he's kind of had Atlanta and now he's, he's doing this bigger, more action based show where he's not only, um, the creative, mi- one of the creative minds behind it, but he's one of the stars. So I, I think it will be an interesting, um, an interesting four way into, uh, into his next project. And I think even more so, it'll be telling to see because Amazon has an awkward branding right now in terms of their shows. You know where you can kind of pinpoint. I think they're in that same space Netflix was in a few years ago, where that you can't really brand them in one way or the other. And Netflix is still kind of like that, but that's just Netflix will be that way. That's just, that is its brand, Um,
3: and. But okay. like, and I, TV, I would say I think Netflix is sort of Netflix has sort of thrived on being all over the place. Like they don't have yeah, it works the same for them thing that they're known for. like, no, and so they for end up being more distributor than than you know than specific brand that says hey, these are the things that we're this this specific thing or this subset of things are the things that we're known for. They're literally all of it, and even more so now with the WWE thing. Yeah, I, I think they're, Prime they're is going to be the same. I think Prime, oh, is gonna yeah, they're distributed. Really? Like, and okay. it, yeah, I was going to say Prime. Prime kind of set the stage for that. They would, they do baseball, do football. They do Thursday night football, which nobody really, you know. I mean, I'm sure it'll probably no, kick no, in at no, some no. point.
2: Thursday night nope.
3: football is a thing.
2: Uh, yeah, people, people watch oh, that is? now. Yeah, no, I, I okay. It took a minute because I was like, where's the Thursday night
3: game on national TV? Right, and that's what I, it wasn't my point. Like, it, it was like on the right uh, uh, NFL network for a and while, yeah. while. So, yeah. so
2: I was going to ask, like, um, how did, like, now I see Amazon branching out like Netflix, but before, I was like, how do you hear about an Amazon show? How do they promote themselves? I really wasn't well, aware took. I just had the app, and I was like, oh, this is Amazon Prime. Cool.
0: Well, now they buy ad time, the same as other networks. Um, and so you will see their spots uh, on regular TV. And then I think what helps them is the social media aspect of, of marketing, which is uh, if you go, if you're scrolling through anybody's time feed, most of the time you're going to see a sponsored ad for a new Uh, I that's literally how I see everything that's coming for Netflix and Amazon nowadays. Is when I'm going through my Instagram feed, or if I'm scrolling through, um, you know, Facebook or something like that. So before, yeah, it's true. You wouldn't, unless you were living in New York or LA in one of those I media marketplaces, you likely weren't going to see a lot of material for for something like, for example, uh. The, the the Netflix Marvel shows are are um uh House of Cards I mean I, we, I was seeing that stuff promoted because I we we I was living in New York at the time but then when I would take trips and come back to the Midwest you know there was a while before people uh some people even knew what uh House of Cards was and it was st- it was in well into its third or fourth season um mm. but just to say that um now they're the the promotion is a lot better I see more like when around football time uh prime puts out entire campaigns from pushing to Thursday night football Yeah, uh, and that's that that's sort of been uh the thing that's been happening with all of them uh, uh I've seen spots for the dom- the mr and mrs. Smith I've seen definitely saw spots for the boys and Gen V on. Yeah. So I think now they're just, they, they've gotten, they figured out or created an apparatus that allows them to market their content, uh, more, uh, more, uh, strategically.
1: Yeah. And also too, you have it, uh, you're starting to see more, um, uh, like, because once they won their Oscar, and they've been winning some, they won some Grammys. Now it's like, Hey, now we're, you know, we actually do good stuff quote unquote and so now they get they put the proper push for time certain things so they're saying stuff for like reacher or thing. you're seeing um the and then you know they have uh their large temple stuff which you know whether it's good or not you starting to see more hype about it like Rings of power um wheel of time and those types of things so it's one of those things where it's just like apple tv and how they've been pushing their stuff where you know you're starting to you'll see more advertisements for these shows that are on these streaming services even though you might not have that streaming service. Like I don't have Apple, but I know about Foundation and Silo and uh um, Exactly. All those things because I say that. I was gonna say I don't have Apple, but Josh is my uh pro promotion for Apple.
3: <laughs> good show come on. For real. Apple TV. I I I gotta tell you, it's it's disturbing the level like everything that I've seen on Apple TV has been good. Like even stuff that I wouldn't that I don't care about, wouldn't care about. They're nearly everything. They're um and and with less content. Yeah. Like, yeah, I totally that I've watched uh, everything, everything that okay. they touch has been amazing.
1: Yeah, I watched the. Uh, you know, I was a big fan of Ted Lasso. And then um I all the offhand, I just watched the after party with uh, Tiffany uh, Haddish. One, I'm not the fan, but big fan of hers, just in general, her comedy side that to me is not that great. But it was an ensemble cast, it was fun, it was breezy it was it didn't feel like a waste of time. It had like a nice little twist to it, but it was just like, Oh, this is a cool like regular sitcom and that sitcom, but, um, you know, under 30 minute drama, dramedy, um, that actually was fun. And I think that like Apple's been smart, a lot smarter than Amazon in terms of how they've been like really curating what they put out where like Amazon has Amazon studios, but then they also operate like a Tubi or like a, um, um, another place that you can literally just any, anybody can put something on Amazon now, like just go through pay your, pay your fee, go through a service and now, you know, your documentary is now on Amazon. So unfortunately it's sometimes their stuff is diluted by all this other crap that's on there.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. And I think that's what I I, kind of connects a a little bit what I brought up earlier, which is um, they, I was going to say that Apple TV has sort of found its its a little bit of a brand identity, right? Because they have had a lot of success with these uh highbrow science fiction uh uh series. And I've and you know, they have Ted Lasso and everything, but but those have been sort of the standouts. Um, and even with with stuff like the Monarch series, which is like supposedly It's going to have Godzilla in it, which is like, you know, we're talking about (laughs) big budget Hollywood on small screen.
3: (laughs) Like they, it's not, it's not incredible, but it's, it's pretty solid and it doesn't have nearly, it, it doesn't center. It, it, it's like it centers around the monster Titans thing without having them be the central feature almost at all. Like there's maybe like three episodes out of the eight or ten where you actually see a uh, a monster, and I swear to you, thirty seconds or less. Hey,
2: okay. this sounds like the the original in of Walking, Walking Dead. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was like the original premise of the Walking Dead, where the zombies weren't the main thing of the story. It was the interaction around the world of zombies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. I think you're right. I think Apple Apple's been doing a good job of really curating um like when they did their campaign about uh with John Hamm and then he was going through all the content they had and everyone had a show on their butt John Hamm. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Was was like, the, that, the, that, that was And Salome did one. Uh-huh. uh shot Salome did one too. He's like, wait a minute, was, why is everyone on Apple? I'm not on it. Like I thought that was a pretty good uh promo. But you're right. I think you know Amazon's doing smart by doing their shows and like I've never watched The Marvelous Miss Maisel. I keep hearing about it from white people all the time. It's so great. Da, 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 Yeah, yeah. But, but again, that's the kind of shows that they got. They got these really niche shows like Bosch and some other random shit that people really, really like, it has a hardcore fan base and I'm sure it's probably solid or whatever, whatever, but it, it only a few break the lexicon of like the rest of it. Like I, I enjoy Reacher and Reacher is like a super fun, you know, no, it's again not highbrow, breezy, very entertaining, and you get in and get out. Like it's cool.
0: Yeah. I think the one thing that um a lot of the streamers' shows, especially their drama, high-end, big budget shows are gonna run into is is really the retention aspect of it. Because uh mm-hmm. I was just thinking about this, for example, the Witcher. Like I was like, you know. It's not that they're not covering every, the key points of the book. It's just if you think about it, there's like two years between each season. And like, like now between three and four in this handoff of the Gerald character from uh from Cavill to uh to Hemsworth, you can imagine when that show comes back, is just gonna be a very weird, awkward thing because now, I mean, I guess the whole thing is that you can always go back and look at it because it's, it's always there, especially with Netflix and Amazon shows. But I can imagine that, like, again, when, when rings of power, when is that season supposed to come back? It's, I mean, it's like, it debuted in what 2021 or something like. that? Oh yeah, you're right. It well, it probably will be another. Yeah. It won't be till the end of this year
1: or beginning of next. So it's almost two to three years later.
0: Yeah, I mean, House of Dragon is coming back this
3: year, but you know, that's why. Hey, i would about to see that that begs that begs the question. Stop it. It begs the question. <laughs> um, and and maybe as someone who's done promos, uh, D'Angelo, you can speak to this. How do you how do you differentiate? The success of the Game of Thrones or a House of Dra- House of the Dragon, um, from say a Jack Ryan or a Reacher or 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 a Wheel of Time or 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 Rings of Power, where there's this huge gap between years where the show come where there's you know you between seasons, and it's at least to my eye, it seems like some of those shows lose steam. But like a House of the Dragon is like, or or a Game of Thrones, where there's like, in some cases, two years between seasons. It does not lose a show like House of the Dragon does not lose steam. I know that it's not going to lose steam. People are anticipating, chopping at the bit, can't even mark their calendars because they don't know when it's supposed to drop, but when the next season is mm-hmm. supposed to drop. But they know, we know that that we're all going to watch it. Whereas in Jack Ryan, that's a smaller show or, you know, all of those shows Mm -hmm. on Amazon that I just mentioned are all, you know, all have these gap years. And I mean, like multiple years in some instances Mm -hmm. between seasons. How do you how do you explain why one is successful versus the other, aside from the fact that anything attached to Game of Thrones is automatic for some people? But how do you I guess maybe that's the question. What creates that automatic? I don't think there is anything that creates the
0: automatic as much as it is like everything with execution and, you know, Mm. with, with, with house of the dragon in this situation for all of its flaws that were more apparent after multiple watching, when you, when you see where that ends, there's in the way it ends, there is, um, not even just the, the cliffhanger, but there's enough there to, for people to want to return to it. Um, because of the, 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 the story, the, the mode of storytelling that it is and what they expect mm-hmm. to happen. Um, whether it be characters, characters dying randomly or, or, uh, you know, dragon action or, or whatever, or battle scenes, you could say with rings of power, you know, I think that saying the only reason why you probably is probably going to be a, uh, a slight dip off between season one and season two is not only just because of the length, but also because of the lukewarm reception of the first season, um, right. That could dissuade people from, from returning. So I think it's just really it's a lot of, it's a combination of a lot of things, first impressions, uh, the way that it's sold and branded, uh, WBD or max put out, uh, a, a um, a brand or a, what do you, uh, branding promo, um, image promo that showed all of the stuff that's coming. And it had a few clips from house of the dragon. Now, whether or not that's finished or not, that that's a little bit of a dangling. You asked about the promo aspect. That's a little bit of a dangling of the, you know. Here's what's coming. You know, you see a character on a dragon back. You see a, a wide shot of a big old army, and that instantly reminds you of where they were when that when the story ended, uh, where it left mm. song leaves off, and then it probably makes you want to go and rewatch uh, the 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 original thing. So I think Amazon and Netflix will have to start to figure out how to approach it that way, where they keep it in the collective hearts and minds because out of sight, out of mind. And that's really what you see what's happening. I think is going to happen with the Witcher next when they do transition to season four into season four. And I think rings of power will be able to recover because I think probably those writers will, Take they seem like they took in a lot of the criticism and they did, it didn't make them feel uh, insecure about it. So I could see them correcting certain things and getting it together. But it's, I think it's going to come down to how they try the strategy for trying to keep uh, people invested when you know that the season is going to be a two year gap between. You know, I think that was the idea behind doing those rich Witcher spinoffs.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I didn't think so too. It,
2: okay, so the, thing, the good point about keeping the, the the engagement of the audience that are fans of the show. However, I think The Witcher is almost a special case because I am hate watching this because they switch actors, ain't never. Were- <laughs> <laughs> so I, in this instance, it's more like I'm going to watch and then justify my feeling of never going to watch the show again if it's bad. Now, if it's good. That give me a reason to keep the, to to keep watching this, even though i know they straight so far away from God's light with the original story storyline. <laughs> but,
0: but but they haven't though. That's 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 the thing. Like they they've strayed away from certain details of the story of of Sapowski's story, but they haven't gone away from the story in a way that that takes away or or diverts from the main. Conversation that the narrative was having, if that makes any sense,
2: that does. But uh, I'm going to pair this along with the one with uh, the the side story that was terrible. I can't even
0: think of it. How many you? Oh, story. so well, that was totally not canon. Like I don't know yeah. what they were thinking about with with that story. They probably just happy that they got Michelle Yo, and they're like,
1: yeah. oh, you want to do something? Okay, let's make something for you. So I'm pairing Michelle Yo uh,
2: with your story, and the fact that they're switching actors, which I don't like. Um, Using that as a reason for me to hate watch. Now, like I said, it's, it's good, it's good. I'll continue to watch. But that, I think for me, the witch is a special case for all for keeping me engaged for different reasons. Now for Rings of Power, one, I'm a fan, but I want to see if they did right the wrongs and listen to the to the fans and, and, and make some corrections and try to do better. Because again, um in comparison, it's really an unfair comparison, but in comparison to the, the House of Dragon, like it was just better storytelling there. You know, and things were moving along in a way that kept me in and wanted to care about the characters. There were certain characters in Reading of Power I did not care about or forgot about. And then I was like, oh, okay. So yep. Uh and, and I'm I giving them grace. That. Yeah. I'm giving them grace. I'm giving both shows grace. They both had pros and cons to them. So Absolutely. we'll see what happens when they return because it has been such a long gap. But I we are a different breed when we're fans of both genres and we are tapped in to this where we got yeah. it. whereas the normal like right now, I know we're gonna talk about this later, but true detective. I totally forgot it was on.
0: And I did I just, too uh, until my and, heart reminded
2: me. And I'm a fan of same. even season two. I loved it. So Oh God. We gotta talk. <laughs> I did not have said that. No, I, I did I didn't <laughs> like it, but
1: I've grown to like
0: yeah, it. <laughs> so uh, so to keep
1: that to keep that in that same framework, you're right though. I think you know the the fan versus the casual viewer is definitely a, a one to call out because you're right. For like Ring of the Power, there's a certain subset of people that were super about it, all about it. And then the casual fan was like, oh, that's cool. And then House of Dragon, people were just like, where's the dragon? Where's the dragon? Where's the dragon? You know? So like, I think if, if to me, House of Dragon and Rings of Power, to me was more of a fan love letter for people of that, of those uh, IPs that are fans of it are, are willing to rock with it. Um, I think they get a little bit less of the casual fan. They'll still peek in, but I'm not sure they're going to grab them like they did with the other ones, right? So, like,
0: you know what's man. funny about that, though, Cam is—is is I think a lot of Tolkien uh, Tolkien fans will dis would disagree with that part about it about Rings of Honor being a love letter to, to Tolkien. And the only reason I say that is because there's so many. I read so many things about from Tolkien fans about the changes that they that they made in So it's it's just funny that you, that, that, that it, cause to me, it is kind of a love letter to all of the, to the, the greater scope of, of Tolkien's narrative. But I, I can see, but I know there's a lot of fans that, that disagree with that, but I do, I do think that that, that that was the driving force behind what we saw in the first. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, right? So you have, and you know, again, if people are willing to bat-
1: bankroll stuff like that, because you know, both of those shows are not cheap. And you know, Rings of Power, one of the things that I did enjoy about it was the production of all of the and the design of everything. Like when you went to the the dwarves uh, uh, inside the mountains, you're like, "Yo, this shit is amazing." Um, and same thing with um, the 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 other city. So, I, I it's a very interesting balance where you know, before you got to you brought along the normies that got into this really niche genre, and now they're all fans, and now. They're kind of like, Do I really like this. And so they kind of peep it and they're like, oh, it's cool. But I'm not really going to be checking for it. And that kind of leads me to True Detective, where when True Detective hit, it was a phenomenon. That first season, everyone was like, holy shit, this is a thing. You need to watch it. And then the second season, uh, the collective opinion of it was, was a big letdown because it wasn't as, it didn't even reach the second one. And then the third season kind of came and brought it back around. But then by that time, the goodwill has been lost and so and a little bit I will lost. say
2: this in short uh, and we can talk about this probably a little bit later but season 2 of True detective basically season 2 of The Wire that's basically what happened and people wow. wanted that oh, one. no <laughs> this, 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 this is the comparison I'm saying because season 1 captivated based on the streets and it went a totally different route and people was like what are we watching in The Wire this is not what I signed up for season 1 season 2 in my opinion had that same take it went away with me of what season one was and it was a totally different. It was like more of a film noir True Detectives in season two than where a uh, murder mystery and supernatural stuff going in season one. And I think the tone of it kind of came back in season three where people was like, oh, True Detectives back. And I'm like, man, I, I can watch it. In my opinion, Rachel McAdams, I think name was the best part of it, True Detectives season two. She was killing for acting chops. I thought it was, I thought it was solid. Man, at first I was like, man, what is this? And then I went back and rewatched it in my opinion, I, I thought it was it was decent. It wasn't the greatest, but I'm saying it wasn't as bad as people thought it was. Well,
0: uh, look, well, uh, so I think you're identifying the anthology aspect of both The Wire and of True Detective in and in it of itself. True Detective was always uh, said to be uh, an anthology and that, that it was going to change every season. Uh, so I don't think, for me, that wasn't what the problem was. I don't want to go into it because I could I could literally go all day about what was wrong with season two and why it was why why I dubbed it bad. But again, fair enough about the acting. I can't deny that they had some good actors in it. Um, the writing for me was just abhorrent. But that's that's to the br- bigger point though. There was a lot of time between season two and season three. So mm-hmm. the, when season three came back around, and just like there's been a lot of time passed between season three and this new season, um, and so to you to the greater point, you forget about these stories or these um these uh these shows because there's so much time off excuse me, between where the story leaves off and where it's picking up. And with this new season of true detective, it's connected to season one. And the interesting thing about that is it was initially written. It was initially, I guess, pitched as an entirely different show. And then, uh, I guess someone at HBO, someone who has stroke is like, I know we think it will be better as the, as a new season of true detective and so now um and so isa lopez is a big fan of the first season and so she figured out a way to connect uh the dots interesting very interesting yeah because i remember when
1: season three came out it kind of just it it, it wasn't bad it just didn't have the same level of mm.
0: oh definitely The, the the way i remember when that was resolved i thought wow it there was something about the first season that took you down a, a kind of crazy journey. And there's a lot of story about that came out after that, uh, Nick Pizzolato, who wrote the, every episode of the first season actually plagiarized. And there was a lot of, there was evidence of where he actually took, got the story because there, there was a comparison to, I forget what it, what the name of the story. He was allegedly, uh, plagiarizing, but the dialogue from a character in that story was identically almost the same as dialogue from Matthew McConaughey's character in the uh, in the first season. Um, that is, but, it was to me. Oh yeah, it was a big, it was a big deal. I mean, it, it, you probably wouldn't have paid much attention to it. It's more one of those things that's uh, it got press, and you know, someone like me, a writer, paid close attention to it because I. One of the, the big things that stood out to me was the writing of True Detective. And I was impressed that the first season anyway, I was impressed that Nick Pizzolato wrote every single episode. And so <laughs> that story came out and then I saw season two and I, and then I was like, mm, I can buy that he plagiarized that first season. Cause this is, this is uh, with all due respect to my, to my, to my, my friend, this, this season is garbage.
1: <laughs> uh, the the time differences between the seasons. True Detective, the first one was 2014 January, then it was 2015 for season two, and then season three was 2019. So that's four years later, and then this is four years, five five years later after this season four, which is um, was dropped
3: January. So that's kind of so like again. Be, so the moral of the story is we shouldn't be shading rings of power. <laughs>
0: Or or maybe get give, the it it a, give it a Give it the leather season. We got to give it some time. And I think, like Cam had pointed out, I think there is a lot more reason to watch season two of Rings of Power, despite its uh its lengthy break, than there is uh for yeah. to season I mean, of, of
3: True Detective or anything or The Witcher or you know. I mean, at the end of the day, they you know, like, like Cam was saying, they, um, you know, they, they're listening to the films, which, you know, can be a dicey, <laughs> a dicey exchange to be sure. But, you know, I think it was a little slow. There wasn't, I mean, I think it was good setup, right? Cause I don't think every, you know, not every, if you look at season one of say, game of Thrones, again, pivoting back to that as a comparison point, you know, if, if you, if you pivot back to game of Thrones, this the first season. I wouldn't say was slow, but by comparison, the seasons that come after, you know, by the time you get to like say season three or season four about Blackwater, uh, you know, like things like that, by the time it gets moving, you don't feel like you. It, it's not the same pacing as season one because there's so much that's been established already and it's playing off of that. So I think hopefully they're gonna go the same route with uh with uh Rings of Power where it's it's just it's taken so bloody long. Like there wasn't this much. I think the biggest gap between seasons on Game of Thrones, uh again, is the other point of comparison for fantasy, uh, on this on a similar scale, um, I think was two D'Angola probably has this committed to memory, but I think it was like two years, wasn't it? Uh the longest, the
0: the longest wait was the two-year wait between seven, between the 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 seventh and eighth seasons. Seven or and eight. The seventh and eighth. I think there was like a year and a half between six and seven, and then there was two years and almost two um, two years and a couple months between the. That's why that was such a big deal about the eighth season being what it was because it was that long wait, right. and then we got that. Um, you know, I think with rings of power. For those of us who know the Tolkien uh mythology, I think what will be interesting is to see how they reconcile time and certain things because Sauron spent a hundred years making those rings before he even right. uh gives them to anyone. And so uh yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how they how they work that out. But all to say, I'm I'm gonna watch, but there is big gaps between these shows now.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think that's yeah, the biggest but, thing. But, I think that's the thing we got. We have to remember now because you know before it, it, which is weird because we used to wait a full what year for you know next season of whatever you like you loved, and you'd only watch it once because it wasn't like on streaming or you had to go buy the DVDs. So I guess we're we're I guess we're in a, a little bit better situation than we were then. But you're right. I yeah. think we're in, a, and we're in a space where you know, just because that first season isn't that great, you know, we can we can actually give it this. If it gets a second season, then we're like, okay, let's see if it actually, if it actually corrects it.
3: But also, I mean, considering the, the first season, just looking at the budget, the budget for the like you you mentioned before, it was it wasn't cheap. That is an understatement because it costs four hundred sixty-five million dollars to make season one of Rings of Power. So if they're making yeah, it a similar like the most expensive in history, wasn't it? it was like, in history. Yes. In yeah. all of in all of the 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 moons, the sun and the earth, there's never been a show nearly that expensive. Like there are movies that aren't that well, I mean, it's also a season of television, so different different everything. But I mean, if it's anywhere near a five, you know, uh, uh the five hundred the, the nearly five hundred million that they spent on season one, it kinda makes a little bit of sense. That it would take this long to make to to make the show, so I kind of get it in that context I mean four hundred and fifty five million dollars is nothing to sneeze at for a season of television. There are shows that wish they had a fourth of that um yeah, and when you see it, you know, you know you're like that's what you spent four
0: hundred and sixty five million dollars and i'm not and I'm not saying that to 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 even. To Yo chill, suggest- chill, 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 chill. Yo, listen, <laughs> I'm not saying that to suggest that it was that bad. What I'm saying is when you look at the number and then you look at those eight, was it eight episodes? Yeah, eight episodes. Ooh, so how much is the third thing? It, was it, for it, yeah. Ooh. it Ooh. Was the last episode, I think, with the with the big thing that happens with the um the explosion of the uh the Mordor or volcano or whatever, I can't remember exactly what it was, but that was probably super expensive. But in creating that, but yeah, I, I'm when I look at that number, the numbers don't add up in terms of uh, what I saw. So if if that's going to yeah, be yeah. The, the budget, I mean, they could scale back the budget and tell a better story. That's why I'm saying, like, what was to me, it just begs the question, what was the point of spending that much money if that's what the end
3: result was? Yeah. Nah, that makes sense. I mean, that means that's that sense. means they dropped like 58 million, but roughly 58 million an episode. That is
2: hey, wait, who's paying for it? Is it is Bezos paying for it?
3: Bezos, yeah.
2: Who who cares? He got money.
3: Nah, dog.
0: You, <laughs> no, you know,
2: no, no, no. He hasn't for who cares? He has, he has a point. He he doesn't
0: has a point. He, it doesn't matter, but at the same time, I'm just saying. When I look at it, I don't see 465 million dollars worth of, of anything.
2: <laughs> no, I, and I agree. But if money's not a factor, then let's have at it. Have at it. You know. Yeah. It,
3: it, it's gonna be up. Sure. To, uh, it, it, it's gonna be up to the viewership. To dictate if this show. I mean, it me. would have been nice if he dropped that kind of money on the expense, and he loved the like, he hey, loved the series before it got there. I'm not and saying, saying you're wrong. I'm
2: not
3: yeah. saying you're wrong, but yeah, I think maybe, maybe here's my hypothesis:
2: Bezos sees the long game with rings of power because such, it's such it such has such a, a long history with fans and of that genre, and he wants to see this pay off And maybe he has to go through some bumps in the roads because this was a very ambitious he, project.
3: Yes, yeah. And, gonna, but he's saying, I think he has a bloated idea of what that, what that's supposed to look like, and how that's supposed to be brought to life. You know, what I and mean? that's like, why that, you that's that, that's you why we have to be fair on season two, and let's see because he didn't learn need, lessons. You, you did not need four hundred sixty-five million dollars to do what we saw on screen. Like, and I say that with authority, like as someone who mm-hmm. worked in the in the industry. And you know we 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 all have a even if you didn't i forget I forget the, the even forget the fact that uh, that carnal knowledge if you've watched television and film and you've seen you i mean it's it, it and it's commonly accessible what these things cost it does not look like and I'm not like it was a it was good but it was just good like on a scale of good very good and 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 excellent it's got but that's a part the way. Look, it. I think if you for, if you spend four hundred sixty five million dollars on a show, I should not, as the viewer, should not walk away going, "It was good." <laughs> should, like, that, should be, that should be the most mind blowing television experience of all time for four hundred sixty five million. If you spend, we, if you, if if you blow the that, that money, money doesn't on a show, yeah. Right. Exactly. The and, thing, and, right. And that's the and that's the point that, that And that's rings that's the point
1: ring would, of power. I was to do it either. Yeah. Well, and to bring it back to, I was going to say, like, I checked it up, and so the expanses budget um, per episode was somewhere between two and five million dollars.
3: Uh, supposedly, See, this is yeah. what I'm. Saying. This yeah. is what I'm saying. But um, and so, the, one of, and arguably one of the greatest science fiction shows Not even arguably, inarguably, one of the greatest science, like top three greatest science fiction shows ever made. Yeah. $2 million a piece. Come on, friend. Come on. Come on now. <laughs> um, all
1: right. So now with that, we're going to do final words. Everybody can pick their own. I have a very special one to bring to the cable. I'm, I can go last or first. It does not matter to me. <laughs> well, if it's all last special, I want to hear it. You go ahead. Go for it. So I, uh, I, I, uh, I watched the Marvels. I, I went in with a open mind, oh. <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. and it I can I could confirm that it was uh, not bad.
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. It it's it getting one to ten. <laughs> it, it was you know as a, as the resident uh, Marvel uh, Captain Marvel hater, I felt like I had to watch it and 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 come back and 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 give a a slight uh, review. I mean, overall, it wasn't bad. It was not uh, Love and Thunder. Scale it wasn't as Uh, I would say on a one to five ish, make it easier. I give it like a 2.5 close to the three.
3: Like it's watchable. We never done no, we never done no five point scale before. Why are you trying (laughs) to be brand new? If if it's difficult, let it be difficult and make the call. If it's
1: it's on a one to 10, I would put it 6.5 because it's better than Ah. love and thunder, but it's like, it's, it's lower than like a Shang-Chi, I think to me, um, but that better than right. yeah but better than like a black widow like it's enjoyable there's some fun parts to it you know Josh was 100% correct having um, uh, having Cat uh, Marvel with other women in a tandem was a way better for the character um there's some good bits and good moments with them the best parts of it are actually them three together i think was they did a really good job of doing girl power without the girl power you know uh, over your head type situation there's a bunch of spots where you're like what the fuck is going on why is there a musical and this movie that's a whole another situation um, but it's but they I, I give I give Miyakasa a, a lot of credit because she really humanized Captain Marvel as a character. She made a nice tight 90 minute brief act story. You know, again, it didn't feel like it was a waste of space. They kind of got in, got to what she needed and then kept it moving. Um, and so I thought it, it's unfortunate that it had the the kind of digital reaction from fans that people got. I don't think it really deserved that, except for the singing part, the singing part um but i would say like overall like she did a good job of like taking you know an existing ip getting it getting to getting it to where it needed to go and then drink her baby's blood now go give her her star wars movie or whatever the hell she wanted (laughs) so
0: well she's i've been a fan of hers for uh well i became a fan of hers after i saw a candy man
1: film yeah and like and honestly that's i would say that like the highlights are her is her direction like in general um kamala khan was great she's a kid she's fun it's easy you know um monica Rambo was awesome and they make they they i like what they did with her character enough that they are setting it up to be something which is good um it wasn't just the black sidekick is that marvel is known to do um so i thought that that was a good that was a good um take um Yo, Sam Jack doing his Sam Jack stuff. He's like, How much am I getting paid for this? How much airtime? All right, cool. Let me just hop in real quick, get my paycheck, do my thing, and then hop back out. Um, but yeah, so that was my I, that would be my thing where it's like, it's worth watching, but it's not like, you know, oh dude, you gotta move whatever out, whatever else is in your queue to go watch it. Nah. But if it's Sunday afternoon and you're cleaning and you're like, oh, I throw this on, yeah, I think that's fine.
3: Yeah, I, I walked away from it pretty much feeling the same way. Like, you know, on a scale of good, very good and excellent like it was you know like middle to low very good yeah it's like i said not a waste of time was better than good it was It was yeah. better than good it certainly was
1: it eclipses the first one easily yeah easily but like i said it's it's below guardians of the galaxy 3 but not love and thunder like a little bit below like a
3: shang chi and shang chi was fine. the same thing same level of like oh this is cool um, kind yeah. of the in that, in, um, and I think when you when you watched it, you saw it was like you felt like it was in that middle tier of like a Shang Chi, Doctor Strange, and I forget what the other movie you mentioned was, but oh, in Black that, it, yeah, and yeah, Bla- well, no, you did not mention Black Widow. Stop that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all of all of the last two phases. there I helped Yeah, there you go. There. Yeah,
1: yes. <laughs> yeah, It's it's definitely in the middle, in the middle, but in the better of the middle, a lot the worst I would put that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, DM, what what's your final word? i uh, keep it simple. I'm just going to say I thought it was cool to hear that Millie Alcock, a.k.a. young Rhaenyra Targaryen was cast in James Gunn's uh, DCU as Zor L a.k.a. Supergirl. Because um, she's a talented actress and um, I like to see when that when, especially because she only had that, she shined really brightly in those five episodes she's in, um, and so I'm glad that that's now parlayed into uh, a much bigger uh, thing for her, and um, and and so yeah, that's gonna be I'm looking forward to that. And I don't I even like the
3: Superman family. Why? And while I did not even call necessarily that she would be cast in in a DC product, I did call that the very next thing that she did would be something big. The kid definitely had chops. She did an just just astonishing good job as Rhaenyra Targaryen in the house in House of the Dragon. It was it was it was was, it's a well deserved come up for someone who put in work in a very short, uh, a very short span of time. Also yeah. shout out to the, the
0: social media announcement, uh, from Max who they wrote, uh, they put an image of her and it says, uh, born to fly. That's, I thought, thought that was new because of the copy yeah, and, yeah. you know, her flying on the dragon bag. Now she don't actually be flying as a kryptonite, as a, krypto- a kryptonian, excuse me. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: um, Cam, Cam, what's your, uh, what's your final word? Uh, I want to piggyback off that too. Um,
2: this is more the reason why I was mad that season one time, the way the path, the way time it passed, the way it moves mad. so fast. Yeah, yeah. Like we didn't get more. Of, I agree. Like, Alcott. So yeah. That's another reason I never brought up. That was the underlying thought. Like, oh, we don't get to see her act anymore in this series that's sad um moving on my, my final word is actually uh <clears throat> it's actually a book i'm reading um but before i get into that it was uh this thing i'm doing uh okay i'm doing a, a 75 hour rata basically um it's like a mental iron man right and, uh, i have to every day um do 240 245 minute workouts one out has to be outside I have to take a progress picture every day. I have to drink a gallon of water every day. I have to stay to a diet, no alcohol, no cheat meals. That's that part is easy. Uh, but this, the one of the other recommend recommendations is read a book, uh, 10 pages of a book, a nonfiction book, um, a hard book, not an audio book, not an e-book, but an actual book. And so I'm reading a book on critical race theory and the moments that formed it. And it's, it's kind of like I'm studying a college course, but, it was one of these things that I've been wanting to understand and uh, know about how it came to be. And so that's what I'm doing right now. reading a the book on critical race theory and, and, and starting to get in depth in how the nuances of understanding critical race theory, and all the laws because it started through law studies and how laws and education and politicians and lawyers all have these things and nuances that like, for instance, Brown versus the Board of Education was for desegregating schools. But what they didn't realize is that it only desegregated schools. It didn't help bring the level of teachers, giving them the, 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 the forcing them to teach black students the same education as a white person, then give them a fourth in the same luxuries of eating the same food, being in the same classroom, getting the same type of education, even though the overall thing was like, oh, we desegregated school, but it's got all the little nuances in that. And this study of critical race theory goes in depth of like the, the, the ebbs and flows of the struggle, per se. And it's just a historical context of who we are at this moment. So that's what I'm reading right now.
0: Nice. Who, uh, yeah, who let me know how that the
3: how books how that you're, that because that's how who, I mean.
0: who wrote all uh, one that you're reading?
2: The, it, it's, I by, read, it's by four. Yeah, it's by, so it's by Kimberly Crenshaw, Neil Gotada, Gary Piller, and
0: Kendall Thomas. And it's a foreword by Cornel West. I think I've read some Kelly Crenshaw before. But yeah, that that um that's it. the 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 that's a hit in a nutshell and it's kind of similar to you brought up the Brown versus uh Board of Education. It's the very similar thought about if you go back even further, the Civil War, um, the or the emancipation, the slavery was ended, but yet Jim Crow laws and segregation followed and the union did nothing about that. So, you know, it, it's, it was right. You know, this, the slavery ended, but yet, um, in most cases, when those wars happen, the losing side has to give something up. The South didn't have to give anything up except the, the institution of slavery, but all the, the families and everything that were in power and control they were the generals and all that stuff they just went back to their merry lives and their ability to to mistreat uh uh african americans was legal <laughs> so yeah. again
1: and with, and also they you know they got they got reparations for losing property that's another
0: thing exactly they so, got money so um, it, you, you it makes you it reframes the 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 civil war one of the many things that reframes the civil war that has reframed the civil war, but that that's cool. I'm going to have to check that one out that you're reading. Yeah, we got, to I know we say it all the time, but
1: we'll, we will do blurred lies book club. even if it's only for like a good 30 minutes, chop out what, what we're actually reading. Cause there, all of us read stuff and then we like to, you know, share what we're reading. So other folks might want to hear
3: it too. Josh, what's your uh, final word? Uh, so. X-Men 97 is due to premiere sometime in March and as an unabashed uh, X-Men fan slash encyclopedia I'm not looking forward to it um I did not enjoy the original and this might be heresy for some people so hold on you hold on to your asses because it's about to you know this might be a hot take for some of you but the uh, X-Men animated series wasn't great. It wasn't good. It it wasn't good to me when it came on and I wanted it to be good. It wasn't good. It just it didn't it didn't do anything for me. And so, you know, the fact that the same crew, the same production team and some of the writers are now coming back to do X-Men 97 gives me zero enthusiasm. I'm not hyped about this at all. I should be I should be doing cartwheels over an x-men animated series and i am not um and i don't know what to again like back then i don't know what to like when i watched the series i was like i don't know what to do with the fact that this is not good and likewise i'm like i don't know what to do with my lack of enthusiasm it's very strange i should be hyped. i should be doing backflips over the fact that you know and the fact that this is something that Disney slash Kevin Feige slash the 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 you know folk Marvel uh Greenlit and or uh executive producing, it's like yeah, this it should be better. Hopefully it'll be better. Don't think it'll be better. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can I can go on a whole nother topic, but I'll leave it at X Men Anime Series is trash. I've been saying this for about twenty years. But yeah, did you think I, that what it was keep going it. to be here? Yes, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it back then, <laughs> didn't like it now, don't like it in the future. It's just the horrible writing, squishy animation. The the best thing about it is the voice cast. And I think that's that's where I I'll leave it there. But anyway, before I go off on another good. rant. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, as always, fellas, thanks for the, the inputs and all the, you know, asides did, that we did a pretty good job. Um, we'll see everybody later. and uh, This is Learn Lines and we out. Sí, lo quiero.
0: Sí.